Okay, Anastasia Pagonis, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Where are you coming from? Uh, Long Island, New York. Where are you? I'm in, I'm actually in Delaware, uh, Middletown, Delaware. So I'm not too far from you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cl close cool. enough. Clo a lot closer yeah. than Australia. I know that. I should be, yeah. I should be down under. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever been to Australia? I have. Oh, really? Yeah, it was amazing. Actually, every time anyone asks me my favorite place that I've traveled with Team USA, it's Australia. I loved it there. Why did you guys end up going down there? Uh, we had a World Series down there, mm -hmm. and it was amazing. We got to go to the zoo and pet the koalas mm. and eat the kangaroos. It mm. was insane. I actually, the day after I fed the kangaroos, I ate a kangaroo. And <laughs> I know that y'all, like, love it, but... Oh, that just hit the spot somehow. I don't know. Thinking about how I ate that made me sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like eating eating like uh, deer or something. You know, they're they're cute little animals, but um, you know, there's there's millions of them down there. So eating eating one or two is not too bad. That's true. <laughs> now, listen. Um, congratulations on your performance. Um, you know, coming away with uh, gold and a world record and a bronze at the Paralympics last year. That was uh, outstanding for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was a special moment. <laughs> yeah, I was watching your race um, a few few minutes ago in the in the 400 freestyle where you got the, the world record. Um, you dropped a lot of time in that. That's outstanding. It's pretty tough to do in an Olympic final or Paralympic final as well. Like when the, the pressure is on like that, were you expecting to swim a far, uh, your best time right there and then? Um, I was expecting to swim and finish my race. That's kind of like the amount of pressure that I put on myself because even though there's no crowds, it's a very overwhelming thing. And I feel like not a lot of people understand like what the mental is yeah. behind it. And right. they don't really get that, but it's very overwhelming. And for my first Paralympic Games and it being my first race, um, yeah, it was very stressful. My prelim swim was not what I wanted it to be. So I knew that I had to come back and uh, show off for finals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, listen, just in terms of the the, the um, classification, that's the word I'm looking for. The classification that you're in, explain to us um, how you're classified. Yeah, exactly. Um, so S1 to S10 is physical impairments. And then S11 to S13 is visual. So S13 is like the least amount of vision, S12 is more vision, and then S13 is the least visually impaired. Um, so I've been through all of the classifications. Um, and right now I am an S11. And in my classification, we all have different vision. So some of us have shapes, shadows, others have no light perception, and some of them have like no eyes, like prosthetic eyes. So we all wear blackout goggles to make the playing field fair. So before we go in for our race, we get our goggles checked. And right when we get out of the pool, our goggles are checked. Oh, interesting. So in, in other categories of the Paralympics where I, where I watch the athletes compete, you're not really certain who wins the race based on you know, cert, certain things um, that they have to take into account. But with your race, you know, touching the wall first means you won. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now, when you when you swam that 400, I mean, you destroyed the field. <laughs> it was it was an incredible win. It was it was by like at least at least 15 to 20 meters that you won that race by. So that's um a pretty dominating swim. Thank you. <laughs> 
I knew that I had really good uh, competition from the Netherlands. Uh, she was originally the world record holder. And I knew, I knew I was going up against some tough competition, but I knew that I worked hard and this is what I was here for, you know? Yeah. So why the 400 for you? What is it about the 400 that suits you really well? Yeah. Um, for me, if you saw my 50 um, or my 100 there, I'm not a great sprinter. Um, my body's just not great at getting up and just moving. Um, I love distance. I love holding that really strong pace. And for me, if I miss a wall in my 400, it's not 100 where I'm losing three, four seconds and I have no time to make up for it. So in my 400, if I have a bad wall or I miss a turn, I have a little bit of time to make up for it. I mean, not a lot, but a little bit. And I don't know. I just love the 400. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's just it's right there. <laughs> yeah. I did see actually on that last wall, you jammed it a bit. And then the commentators were saying, oh, that could have cost you the world record. But it wasn't so bad that, you know, it was a complete mess. But you certainly got stuck on the wall a little bit. I did. Um, My ankles actually hit mm. the wall a little. Thank God oh. it wasn't like bad. But, uh yeah. <laughs> How do you know that if you're on, if you're on pace for a world record then like that? Uh, you don't. You kind of mm -hmm. just wing it. I mean, me and my coach work on a lot of pace work. So if I got in the pool right now and he told me to go like, I don't know, pace mile and he wanted me to hold like 34s, mm -hmm. I could probably get in the water and hold close to 34s just because I have that like feeling. I feel like all swimmers kind of do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I a lot of hard work and a lot of pace work. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. How do you manage to swim straight? Because you do a really good job of that. I saw some of your, your competitors were struggling a little bit. Um, yeah. It must be difficult, but obviously just the training that you do helps with that. But, you know, when you're under pressure like that, an environment like that, there's a lot going on to, to, to manage to be able to swim in a straight line must be fairly difficult. Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot of muscle memory. My coach is amazing, and uh, he pretty much taught me how I would be able to swim. So he blacked out his own goggles and was figuring out a way to teach me. Also, Brad Snyder really helped me figure out kind of the technique of doing it. So I use the lane line kind of as my guide. Mm. So as for sighted people, they use the black line on the bottom of the pool and the T. Um, I pretty much just use the lane line. Right. Who who was the your spotter at the at the Paralympics? There's somebody at the end of the lane, right? That has um, kind of a, a longer stick with a with a ball on it to kind of let you know where the wall is. Who does that yeah. for you at that? Um, in Tokyo, it was the head coach and the assistant coach. So I had uh, Nathan and Kim, and okay. they were great and very helpful. <laughs> right, right. And then I saw like at the end when you had. Um, swam a certain time and broken the world record your coach ran up to tell you who's your coach actually uh my coach actually my main coach wasn't able to come to tokyo because oh, okay. the restrictions and everything mm. uh so we just had the usa coaches which they're amazing but it's obviously it's not the same than having your actual coach <laughs> yeah that's a bit of a bummer so who is your coach he had to stay back who's that uh yeah mark dannon he oh. is amazing for someone that's never worked with people with disabilities or someone who's blind he really put himself in my shoes and took me on and i am so thankful for him <laughs> how long have you been with mark for uh, i've been with mark for almost almost four years now oh wow yeah. okay so, yeah. so pr pretty much from the time that this progressed you mm -hmm. know to, to, yeah. the, to where you are now yeah, he was the first person I got back in the pool with. And right when I got in the water the, for the first time, it was 
quite a mess. <laughs> mm. I was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. And we both went our separate ways. We were like, mm, no. And then he called me the next day and he told me that he figured it out. He was going to teach me how to swim and that we could do this. And wow. we did. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's pretty outstanding. Well, let's go back a little bit then, because obviously this is something that seemed to have progressed. I mean, you weren't born blind, um, but it, it, it did develop what around about the age of 11. Did it start? Yeah. So I started, uh, well, my mom started noticing some just problems with me that a normal child wouldn't be like. Um, so like what? Was, Give uh, us an example. Um, I don't even know. She was just like noticing little things, I guess, like bumping me reading. Yeah. Bumping into walls. She just said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just like bumping into walls. I was a soccer player. I would get kicked in the face with the ball a lot more than a normal person. Um, so I guess so just, other people noticed more than you initially then it's my, it was my normal. So I right. never really noticed anything. So when someone would point somewhere and be like, do you see that person over there? I'd be like, are you magical? How are you seeing a person? Oh. There? Like, What person are you talking about? Oh. So it was kind of my normal. And I just thought that everyone saw like that, which right. they didn't. Um, so we got a bunch of testing done and I came back with a genetic disease that was taking away all of my central vision. Mm. How long did the testing take? I mean, I know that can be a process sometimes and they don't want to diagnose you too early. So that obviously, you know, that there's time and energy that goes into this and making sure that it's absolutely correct. But yeah. what, what kind of things were you going through to get this testing done? Yeah, actually. Um, when I was younger, I was misdiagnosed. And then when I went back for when I lost all of my usable vision at 14, we went back for like the in-depth testing. Um, and I got diagnosed with my actual genetic disease and then two autoimmune retinopathies. So my immune system thinks that my retina is bad and like eats it up. Um, and we were in, oh my goodness, we were in the doctor's office for like 13 hours a day, mm. every day for like probably like two months. It was it was very interesting. Yeah, we had to do like eyesight, blood, neurological mm. things, just anything that you could think of because they wanted to actually figure out what was going on. Right. Um, but my doctors are amazing. We go to UPenn, which is a little bit of a hike for us, uh, but it's worth it. They're amazing there. Is there any hope right now of, of it ever changing from where it is now? Like there's there's no you know, science out there that says we can kind of rebuild this or anything like that at the moment? I mean, it's coming. We're making so much process. There's so many different things that you can, that we're going to try to do. Yeah. Um, there's things like red light therapy. And I mean, it's 2022. They're mm. going to figure out something at some point. I mean, they're self-driving cars. We'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> right, right. So I also did see an interview with you where you said you went into a kind of a deep depression, almost even suicidal. I mean, it's, it's obviously tragic for somebody to say, all right, you're, you're never going to see again. And then you've got to learn to deal with that pretty quickly. So like, talk to me about how, how that hit, because you did, you did say this was a progression for you and it was something that you were learning to live with. But at some point, I guess it hits you pretty hard of like, oh, wow, I'm never going to see again. Is that correct? Yeah, it just kind of got thrown at me. Um, I was expecting to not lose all of my vision. Um, I was told that I was just going to lose my central vision. Mm. And then not having any usable vision, it was just kind of a shock. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm stuck like this. Like, if I'm going to be like this, what's the point of me being here? I just thought that I was a burden on everyone and that why would I want to be like this? Yeah. Um so I went into a really deep depression, but my family and my support system 
are amazing. I mean, my parents forced me to get out of the house and just walk for like five minutes a day. And my goal was to eat like one smoothie a day because when you're in a depression like that, you don't want to eat, you don't want to move, you don't want to do anything. Mm. Um, so my support system definitely really is what helped me through that. But I kind of was just like, okay, I don't want to be stuck in this place anymore. I got to get out of this because I missed my old self, you know, and I wasn't going to let that be taken away from me. And then I kind of started social media with that too. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Yeah, I saw that. I saw, I saw where your dad had said, you know, you've always been this type of person where you light up the room and then that was kind of taken away a little bit. And then, um, and then it kind of got reignited. So like, I, I guess, how did you, how did you make the decision? Cause you were, like you said, social media is a big thing for you. Now you're a TikTok star. You're huge on Instagram. And, and so you've got this outlet, I guess, for you. Is that, is that kind of the way you looked at it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think making fun of myself <laughs> is really important. Um, if you look through my TikToks, the majority of them are like dark humor and I'm literally just like <laughs> making fun of myself. Um, and then having like deep conversations with people on Instagram and kind of just pouring my life out. It just makes me feel better and hopefully it'll help someone else. Yeah. We have a mutual friend in Tucker Dupree and Tucker is um, similar in the sense that he, he's got, um, you know, that, that internal blindness. I, I guess he can see out on the outside, the peripheral, but he, he's a good friend of mine and he's, he's kind of got the same dark humor as you, you know, in terms of like making fun of it, making light of the situation, things like that has been, has he been a support for you? Oh my goodness, he has been amazing. On my first trip, he kind of just took me under his wing and helped me through everything. I was originally classified as an S13 and in Italy, I was classified down to an S12 and I was sobbing because I was like, no, like that means my vision's getting worse. And you know, it just kind of mm. hit me hard. And he's like, look at me, like I'm an S12, aren't I pretty cool? And I was like, oh my God, he's so cool. I want to be like him. <laughs> and we were in the same classification. He kind of just he made me feel better. And I was like, look at this guy. Like he's a Paralympian and I could be like him. So yeah, he yeah, also sure. really helped me with swimming and kind, kind of trying to figure out how I can do this and everything. He's a great guy. We also have another mutual friend, Lizzie Smith, and she was part of the Europe Paralympic team last year. And um, she she's an outstanding person as well. How, how do you relate to each other? You know, you've all got these different kind of you would say disabilities, but you don't look at it that way. You, you just look at it as you're all, you know, people competing, right? Yeah. I mean, we all consider each other just people and we're all athletes and we're all there to swim. And I feel like all of us having a disability, we're kind of able to make fun of each other and be like, Hey, like stop walking into things. Or like, where's your leg? You know, like little jokes that we can just goof around with each other. So yeah. yeah, I love Lizzie too. She's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, Lizzie's awesome. She she's outstanding, and um, she does a little bit of clinic work with us, like uh, swim clinics, and she gets amazing reviews, and the, the kids love her. And um, I'm not yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she's awesome. So uh, I did see where you kind of said you you hated the statement. Uh, you don't look blind, and um, you're you're trying to, 
you know, you, you say, well, what does blind look like? You know, that's kind of the, how you address it. So like, what do you want people to know? Yeah, um, I feel like Hollywood kind of puts a stereotype on blindness where you have to look a certain way and act a certain way, uh, where you have the dark sunglasses and you walk around like a zombie and you just have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I want to break down that stereotype and show people that I can be an elite athlete, I can wear makeup, I can dress cute, I can do all these things, and I'm blind. So yeah. kind of just showing people that. And that less than 10% of the blind community are completely blind with no light perception. And I feel like a lot of people think that Blindness is just blackness, and they don't really understand that that's only ten percent. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what is it for you then? Is it is it blackness or is there shadows? You said that you can see a little bit. Yeah. So I technically have no usable vision. So when I'm in the pool, nothing, nothing's really helpful for me. Right. Uh, but I have like um, light perception and shadows. Right. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. So. Uh, you know, I can relate in some way, um, not not to the the same extent. So don't get me wrong by any means. But I've said I've said this a couple of times. Like growing up, I had very severe asthma as a kid, and um, I spent the first five years of my life pretty much in and out of hospital dealing with um, severe asthma. And um, for a very long period of my time, uh, my childhood, I looked at myself as somebody that had a disability, somebody that couldn't do the things that other people could do. Like I couldn't play with my friends. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have fun. You know, I was always in fear that my next asthma attack was going to happen. So I lived in fear and the fear controlled me. It wasn't until I became, you know, became a little bit older, about the age of 10, where I was like, I can't live like this. This has to end. Like yeah. asthma is not me. It's just part of me. It's not, it's not who I am. It's just part of who I am. And so I took back that control and I, and I looked at it as um, something that, I could absolutely control it didn't control me i kind of just flipped the switch on it and, and so i guess that's kind of similar to what you've done here of like changing your mindset of the way that you're going to live your life yeah exactly and like you're saying i feel like it has to come from you i mean obviously people around you can encourage you and help you but it really has to like come from you you have to kind of take that step and just be yourself and have that be kind of just part of you and a side piece <laughs> Yeah. What about, do you, do you still have bad days? Do you still have days where you wake up and like, poor me type attitude? Like, do you still oh, have yeah. it? Oh yeah. All the time. I mean, even going to swimming, I actually, well, not recently, but going to swimming, I have my parents and my coach there that have to tap me. And I just, I want to be able to go and be independent and do it by myself. And mm. it's frustrating because I can't, I mean, I just had a mental breakdown the other day because <laughs> I wanted to go to the supermarket and I wanted something sweet and I couldn't drive there and just get it by myself. Right. So just little things that are frustrating that there's just nothing we could do about, you know, you just got to be happy and make the best of it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we all have stuff in our life that we're going to deal with, but um, it sounds like you, you attack it with a, you know, a, as positive attitude as you possibly can. Um, I did see somewhere too, where they said that you have a guide dog named Radar. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. He's the best. I think he's behind me. <laughs> oh, Radar's back there somewhere. But now, yeah. why weren't you able to take Radar to the, the Paralympics? Uh, great question. Uh, hey, Paralympics, if you'd like to let me know that, I'd like to know. <laughs> they did, I have no idea. They just told me that I was not allowed to take him. So what? it's a little bit of uh, an issue. That that sounds like a big issue, doesn't it? Isn't that like, a, yeah. like Radar would be a huge part of your life, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I feel like I lost my vision once and then them not letting me take radar. I feel like I kind of got my vision taken away from me again because he's my eyes. Uh, so if they'd like to let me know, that'd be great. <laughs> when when did you find out? Like how, how long before you went? Um, we actually, I was planning on taking him and I think me and my parents were like sending emails back and forth and we were told that I was not allowed to take him. And we were like, wait, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why yeah. not? Um, but it's okay. I got through it. I did it. I'm back. I'm alive. <laughs> it's fine. Well, how did you get through it? How, how, who helped you? All the teammates. I mean, my teammates are amazing, especially my roommate, Gia. She was such a help. We're both blind. So it was definitely an interesting look. Um, <laughs> but we helped each other. We may or may not have fell down a few flights of steps, but it's okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, just all the teammates. I feel like we're all kind of there for each other and help each other the best that we can. Well, listen, you are, uh, you know, a star on, like I said, TikTok and Instagram, things like that. How do you, how do you go about um, doing this? Who helps you with this? Uh, yeah. I mean, my mom is like, I call her my momager. She helps me with everything. She's the best. Um, but phones and technology is so amazing now. So there's something called voiceover and it pretty much reads your whole screen to you, which is pretty amazing. And I kind of scroll through TikTok and think of audios that might be cool and then think of ideas and it just kind of comes to me. Well, it sounds like you have a big part in it too, but there's not a lot of mums out there who are tech technologically savvy, you know? <laughs> my so. mom is. My mom's better than me. My mom is so helpful with all of it. <laughs> she is. Oh, that's awesome. So, so she, just, she just jumped in. Yeah, because your videos and, and stuff are incredible. I'm not on TikTok, but I've seen a couple of the things that you produce and they're, they're really well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that would be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, mom, congrats. Keep it up. That's cool. Well, what have you, what kind of response have you got from that? You know, you're putting yourself out there and exposing yourself and that can be a positive and a negative sometime. Have you experienced both of those things? Yeah, I definitely get a lot of negative, uh, but I also get a lot of positive. So I definitely have my true supporters that really love me and they're very supportive and they just want the best for me. And then I get the people that just come across my video, have no idea who I am, don't care about me at all. And they ask stupid questions and have like just stupid comments. I get comments like, how do you eat if you're blind? How do you get dressed if you're blind? Like, are you mm. not thinking with your head? Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess those people just haven't had any contact with, with a blind person maybe or something like that. They're just ignorant, you know? They're very ignorant. That's the perfect word. They're very yeah. ignorant. Yeah, ignorance. So I guess this is a way to show people that you can do anything you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. T tell me a little bit more then about your training. Let's get specific on that a bit. So what is it exactly? How how often are you training? Um, you know, and what does it look like for you? Yeah. So uh, right now I have I train. Right now I'm doing eight practices a week and uh -huh. two lifts. Um, it's it's good. My coach tries to incorporate a lot of everything, which is good, even though I'm mainly a distance swimmer. Uh, he tries to get the I am a little bit up there, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's so helpful with me and he pushes me to my limits. Sometimes, sometimes I start crying, you know, all swimmers do, but you do what you got to do. <laughs> now you're in a group, I guess, with, with able body athletes, you know, people that, that can see and, and moving pretty quick. How, how do they handle the group dynamics? Uh, yeah, I mean, my teammates are amazing. They're always looking out for me. I always get the, 
all right, ready, go. They're telling me when to go, what's going on, 10 seconds. Um, and I swim either in my own lane or with one other person and we split the lane. And everyone's so helpful. They're always looking out for me to make sure I'm okay. And I, right now I'm practicing with sprinklers instead of tappers so that my coach can actually coach the team instead of tapping me. So it's pretty much a sprinkler that shoots down to about where the T is. Mm. And um, yeah, I, once I feel it, I know that the wall's coming up and I do my flip and I go. <laughs> Are you in a short course yards pool? Yeah, short course yards. I wish yeah. I was in long course meters. <laughs> do you ever get to swim long course meters or, or train it? Uh, only, no, I never get to train it, but I compete it, which I love. I love yeah. long course, less walls. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, there's a big difference there between short course swimming for anybody and long course. So how did you adapt? How do you know that you're on, let's say, world record pace because you're not, you've never trained the, the long course meters? Yeah, exactly. It was definitely very hard. Uh, while I was in Tokyo, I was there for two and a half, three weeks before I even competed. So mm. definitely a lot of pace training before that. And instead of training for a 400, we were training for like a 500 um, and more so that I would kind of have that feel for it. So training for like my 53, we were training 75s and hundreds just so that I had all the power I could give, you know, and I wouldn't be run down right. and dying on the last few meters even though I still was, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it seemed like you attacked the last five meters. It seemed like, like I said, you got jammed on that last wall and then it was like, all right, I've got to stay on this. But to, to me, it looked like you knew that you were under world record pace and you were fighting for every hundredth, every tenth of a second that you could get at the end there. Yeah, I was trying. Um, actually, in my hundred free, I got outtouched by 0.2, which, I, I mean, if I could see, I probably would have gotten that point too because you're racing the person next to you but i had no idea like where the people were next to me so it's like oh if i touch the wall a little different if i kicked a little harder so i was like i have to give it everything i have like i am not losing this by point two yeah yeah my, i have a i have a, a dog myself i have a puppy and um she just messed with my camera so my camera just went a little wonky so i apologize for everybody that was watching me trying to adjust my camera there my dog sat on my camera's cord oh so. what kind of puppy i have a, a spanish water dog her name is luna and um she's a great dog but uh, she she's always under my feet she just she follows me around i guess she's like your dog like like radar a little guide dog she follows me everywhere so <laughs> I know I was at Lyft the other day and we were doing like vertical jumps and I hit him and I was like, oh my God, you need to get away from me. Like, you can't be so close to me. <laughs> what does Radar do when you're in the pool? Uh, he sits either in my coach's office on the couch or he sits like right by the pool. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Well, listen, I appreciate getting to know you a little bit more. What's the, what's the next uh, thing for you? What, what's the plan for the future? Yeah, actually, next week I will be competing in Indianapolis for trials for hopefully to compete in Portugal at Worlds. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed for that. <laughs> when will the Worlds be? Worlds is in June. Okay, so it's coming up pretty quick then. Yeah, it is coming up pretty quick. I'm excited. It should be good. Are you? Do you feel like you're in um, the same type of form you were in Tokyo last year, or have you improved at all? Um, I think I'm definitely improving. Um I think that my walls are getting a lot better and I'm getting more comfortable with coming into the walls quicker. Um, if you see, I kind of slow down once I'm getting closer into the flags, mm -hmm. uh, just from 
fear because I've hit my head and my hands so many times on the walls. Right. Uh, but I'm definitely getting more confident with it. And I feel like I'm just becoming a better and stronger swimmer, I would say, and using every stroke to make sure that it counts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you have you used this or do you view this now as a blessing in disguise in any way? Like, do you do you are you thankful that this happened to you? Like, is that a, a silly thing to say? I feel like it's opened a lot of doors for me, but it's also closed a lot of doors. Right. Um, but I don't know if I would say I'm thankful for it, but I feel like I'm getting there. Ask me that in a few years and I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, right, right. Yeah. You're coming to terms with it more and more. It seems like you're, you're at a, in a really good place with it. And look, you know, you're, you're influencing a lot of people in, in terms of changing their the way they think about this. So you are doing a fantastic job with that. Where can people find you? Tell us about your um, social media platforms. Where do they find you? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I think I'm on everything. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And all of my handles are Anastasia underscore K underscore P. Okay, great. Well, I want you to gain a couple more followers. You've got um, thousands of them, so you don't need my help. <laughs> but um, you. You're doing fantastic work. Uh, <laughs> is this something you want to uh, continue swimming for a long time? What, what's the plan? What's the long-term future? Uh, yeah, my goal is I'm taking it step by step, day by day, practice by practice. Right. Um, but my goal is hopefully to compete until LA 2028. Oh, great. Yeah. And on our be... turf, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. How old will you be by then? Oh my goodness. How old will I be then? That's another um, what, five years away, is it? Oh my goodness, I'm still going to be pretty young, 24. Maybe oh, yeah. one more. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could go to Australia. Australia's uh, in, in 32, so. Okay. There yeah. we go. We're doing it. Go down to Brisbane. <laughs> well, as a distance swimmer, you still got a lot of yards to add up. So, you know, be careful with that. That's Maybe you true. come down to the 50s and 100s by then. Oh, gosh, no. I've already retired from the 50s. <laughs> oh, oh uh, it's too short? It's just, it's not for me. I okay. didn't do great in it in Tokyo and just not for me. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get older and stronger though. You'll figure it out. Now, yeah. what about you, tell me about that real quick. Your strength training. What do you do in the gym? Uh, yeah, we do pretty much everything. I mean, it's a full body workout. Uh, mm -hmm. The guys that are there are very helpful with me. So no box jumping, no things that I could injure myself with. Uh, but just building a lot of strength because that's super important. Um, working on pull-ups. I need to yep. work on pull-ups. <laughs> yep. yep, that'll get you 50 going, get stronger yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, you've got a great outlook, uh, very positive. You sound, you, you, you sound like you've... Um, really in a good place for yourself, which is the most important thing, but you're influencing a lot of people. So congratulations, keep it up. Outstanding work in the pool. I mean, to be a world record holder is um, such an achievement in such a short amount of time. I, I hope for many more of those in, the, in your future, okay? I hope so. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Anastasia. Take care, okay? Thank you. Bye. Bye. We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, 
wellnessbuilding.net.